<clears throat> Hare Krishna, my dear devotees, <clears throat> welcome to the daily, the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books. And if you're a regular, welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books right here in Hive, Kent, uh, southeast England, just next to the English Channel. We call it the Haven because we're reading Shiva Prabhupada's books cover to cover uh, just as Shiva Prabhupada asked us to do in his classic preface to the Srimad Bhagavatam which, which we're reading now in order to uh, get a clear precise understanding and then sharing uh, with the devotees who have an attachment to hearing and chanting especially those who come every night uh, to the live and also every day to read even if they can't attend at this time because of where they are um, and we're all experiencing uh, deeper and uh, happier you know consciousness as a result um, Okay, Srimad Bhagavata Mihima Stotram from Sri Krishna Lila Stava by Srila Sanatana Goswami uh, offers his obeisances to the Srimad Bhagavatam in a most wonderful way. It goes like this Sarva Shastrabdipi Yusha, Sarva Vedaika Satpala, Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja, Sarva Lokaika Drik. O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana, Srimad Bhagavata Prabho, Kali Dvandurita Aditya, Sri Krishna Parivartita. O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master, Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya Premavarshakshadayate Sarvadasavasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostame I bow down to you who is supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Mareka bando matsangin madguro man mahadana manistaraga mad bhagya mad anandana My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu sadhuta dayin atini chochata kada hanamun chagadachin mam prem narit kantayokspuda. O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen. Please, never leave me. Always appear in my heart 
and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So we reach the uh, tenth chapter of the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, the battle of Kukshetra has completed. Um, Bhishma Dev has departed. And now uh, Krishna, after hearing the prayers of Queen Kunti, is departing uh, for Dwarka. So this chapter is entitled Departure of Lord Krishna for Dwarka. We begin with text 6. Because of the kings having no enemy, the living beings were not at, at any time disturbed by mental agonies, diseases, or excessive heat or cold. These are the glories of Maharaj Yudhishthir's reign as the king under Krishna's protection. Purport. To be non-violent to human beings and to be a killer or enemy of the poor animals is Satan's philosophy. In this age, there is enmity toward poor animals and therefore the poor creatures are always anxious. The reaction of the poor animals is being forced on human society and therefore there is always the strain of cold or hot war between men, individually, collectively, or nationally. At the time of Maharaj Yudhishthir, there were no different nations, although, the, although there were different subordinate states. The whole world was united, and the supreme head, being a trained king like Yudhishthir, kept all the inhabitants free from anxiety, diseases, and excessive heat and cold. They were not only economically well-to-do, but also physically fit and undisturbed by supernatural power, by enmity from other living beings, and by disturbance of bodily and mental agonies. There is a proverb in Bengali that a bad king spoils the kingdom and a bad housewife spoils the family. This truth is applicable here also because the king was pious and obedient to the Lord and sages, because he was no one's enemy and because he was a recognized agent of the Lord and therefore protected by him. All the citizens under the king's protection were, so to speak, directly protected by the Lord and his authorized agents. Unless one is pious and recognized by the Lord, he cannot make others happy who are under his care. There should be full cooperation between man and God and man and nature. And this conscious cooperation between man and God and man and nature, as exemplified by King Yudhishthir, will bring about happiness, peace, and prosperity in the world. 
the attitude of exploiting one another, the custom of the day, will bring only misery. Text 7 Shri Hari, Lord Shri Krishna, resided at Hastanapur for a few months to pacify his relatives and please his own sister, Subhadra. Purport Krishna was to start for Dwarka, his own kingdom, after the battle of Kurukshetra and Yudhishthira's being enthroned. But to oblige the request of Maharaj Yudhishthira and to show special mercy to Bhishmadev, Lord Krishna stopped at Hastinapur, the capital of the Pandavas. The Lord decided to stay especially to pacify the aggrieved king as well as to please Subhadra, sister of Lord Sri Krishna. Subhadra was especially to be pacified because she lost her only son, Abhimanyu, who was just married. The boy left his wife, Uttara, mother of Maharaj Parikshit. The Lord is always pleased to satisfy his devotees in any capacity. Only his devotees can play the parts of his relatives. The Lord is absolute. Text 8 Afterwards, when the Lord asked permission to depart, and the king gave it, the Lord offered his respect to Maharaj Yudhishthira by bowing down at his feet, and the king embraced him. After this, the Lord, being embraced by others and receiving their obeisances, got into his chariot. Purport <clears throat> Maharaj Yudhishthira was the elder cousin of Lord Krishna, and therefore, while departing from him, the Lord bowed down at the king's feet. The king embraced him as a younger brother, although the king knew perfectly well that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Lord takes pleasure when some of his devotees accept him as less important in terms of love. No one is greater, no one is greater than or equal to the Lord, but he takes pleasure in being treated as younger than his devotees. These are all transcendental pastimes of the Lord. The impersonalist cannot enter into the supernatural roles played by the devotee of the Lord. Thereafter, Bhima and Arjuna embraced the Lord because they were of the same age. But Nikula and Sahadev bowed down before the Lord because they were younger than he. Texts 9 and 10 At that time, Subhadra, Dropidi, Kunti, Uttara, Gandhari, Dhritarashtra, Yuyutsu, Kripacharya, Nakula, Sahadev, Bhimasen, Daumya, and Satyavati all nearly fainted because it was impossible for them to bear separation from Lord Krishna. Purport Lord Sri Krishna is so attractive for the living beings, especially for the devotees, 
that it is impossible for them to tolerate separation. The conditioned soul under the spell of the illusory energy forgets the Lord. Otherwise, he cannot. The feeling of such separation cannot be described, but it can simply be imagined by devotees only. After his separation from Vrindavan and the innocent rural cowherd boys, girls, ladies and others, they all felt shock throughout their lives and the separation, Radharan, the separation of Radharani, the most beloved cowherd girl, is beyond expression. Once they met at Kurukshetra during a solar eclipse and the feeling which was expressed by them is heart-rending. There is, of course, a difference in the qualities of the transcendental devotees of the Lord, but none of them who have ever contacted the Lord by direct communion or otherwise can leave Him for a moment. That is the attitude of a pure devotee. Text 11 and 12 An intelligent person who has understood the Supreme Lord in association with pure devotees and has become freed from bad materialistic association can never avoid hearing the glories of the Lord, even though he has heard them only once. How then could the Pandavas tolerate his separation? For they had been intimately associated with his person by seeing him face to face, touching him, conversing with him, and sleeping, sitting, and dining with him. Purport The living being's constitutional position is one of serving a superior. He is obliged to serve by force the dictates of illusory material energy in different phases of sense gratification. And in serving the senses, he is never tired. Even though he may be tired, the illusory energy perpetually forces him to do so without being satisfied. There is no end to such sense gratificatory business and the conditioned soul becomes entangled in such servitude without hope of release. The release is only effected by association with pure devotees. By such association, one is gradually promoted to his transcendental consciousness. Thus he can know that his eternal position is to render service unto the Lord and not to the perverted senses in the capacity of lust, anger, desire to lord it over, and so on. Material society, friendship, and love are all different phases of lust. Home, country, family, society, wealth, and all sorts of corollaries are all causes of bondage in the material world, where the threefold miseries of life are concomitant factors. As one associates with pure devotees and hears them submissively, Attachment for material enjoyment slackens and attraction for hearing about the transcendental activities of the Lord becomes prominent. Once this attraction begins, it goes on progressively increasing without stoppage. 
like fire in gunpowder. It is said that Hari, the personality of Godhead, is so transcendentally attractive that even those who are self-satisfied by self-realization and are factually liberated from all material bondage also become devotees of the Lord. Under the circumstances, it is easily understood what must have been the position of the Pandavas, who were constant companions of the Lord. They could not even think of separation from Sri Krishna, since the attraction was more intense for them because of continuous personal contact. Their position in separation from him was no less than that of the gopis of Vrindavan. The Lord being absolute, however, separation from Him is as good as personal contact. Remembrance of His form, qualities, name, fame, pastimes, and so on is so attractive for the pure devotee that he forgets all forms, qualities, names, fame, and activities of the mundane world. And due to his mature association with other pure devotees, he is not out of contact with the Lord for a moment. Text 13 All their hearts were melting for him in the pot of attraction. They looked at him without blinking their eyes, and they moved hither and thither in perplexity. Purport Krishna is naturally attractive for all living beings because he is the chief eternal amongst all eternals. He alone is the maintainer of the many eternals. This is stated in Kata Upanishad and thus one can obtain permanent peace and prosperity by revival of one's eternal relation with him now forgotten under the spell of Maya the illusory energy of the Lord. Once this relation is slightly revived, the conditioned soul at once becomes freed from the illusion of material energy and becomes mad after the association of the Lord. This association is made possible not only by personal contact with the Lord, but also by association with His name, fame, form, and qualities. Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam trains the conditioned soul to this stage of perfection by submissive hearing from a pure devotee. Text 14 The female relatives, whose eyes were flooded with tears out of anxiety for Krishna, came out of the palace. They could, they could stop their tears only with great difficulty. They feared that tears would cause misfortune at the, type of, at the time of departure. Purport There were hundreds of ladies in the palace of Hastinapur. All of them were affectionate to Krishna. All of them were relatives also. When they saw that Krishna was going away from the palace for his native place, they were very anxious for him and as usual tears began to roll down their cheeks. They thought at the, at, the, at the same time they thought at the same time that tears at that moment might be a cause of misfortune for Krishna 
therefore they wanted to check them. This was very difficult for them because the tears could not be checked. Therefore they smeared their tears and their eyes and their hearts throbbed. Therefore ladies who were the wives and daughters-in-law of those who died in the battlefield never came in direct contact with Krishna, but all of them heard of him and his great activities, and thus they thought of him, talked of him, of his name, fame, and so on, and became affectionate also, like those who were in direct contact. Therefore, directly or indirectly, anyone who thinks of Krishna, talks of Krishna, or worships Krishna, becomes attached to him. Because Krishna is absolute, there is no difference between him and his name, form, qualities, and so on. Our intimate relation with Krishna can be confidentially revived by our talking of, hearing of, or remembering him. It is so done due to spiritual potency. Text 15 While the Lord was departing from the palace of Hastinapur, different types of drums like the Mridanga, Dola, Nagra, Dunduri, and Dundubi, and flutes like the Gomuka and other instruments like Veenas and Beris were sounded together to show him honor. 16. Text 16. Out of loving desire to see the Lord, the royal ladies of, of the Kurus got up on top of the palace and smiling with affection and shyness, they showered flowers upon him. Purport Shyness is a particular extra-natural beauty of the fair sex and it commands respect from the opposite sex. The custom of separating females from males was observed even during the days of the Mahabharata, that is, more than 5,000 years ago. It is only the less intelligent persons, not well versed in the history of the world, who say that observance of separation of male from female, female from male, is an introduction of the Mohammedan period in India. This incident from the Mahabharata period proves definitely that the ladies of the palace observed strict parda, restricted, restricted association with men, and instead of coming down in the open air where Lord Krishna and the others and others were assembled, the ladies of the palace went up to the top of the palace and from there paid their respects to Lord Krishna by showering of flowers. It is definitely stated that the ladies were smiling there on the top of the palace, checked by shyness. This shyness is a gift of nature to the fair sex, and it enhances their beauty and prestige, even if they are of a less important family, or even if they are less attractive. We have practical experience of this fact. A sweeper woman commanded the respect of many respectable gentlemen simply by manifesting a lady's shyness. Half-naked ladies in the street do not command any respect, but a shy sweeper's wife 
commands respect from all. Human civilization, as conceived of by the sages of India, is to help one free himself from the clutches of illusion. The material beauty of woman is an illusion because actually the body is made of earth, water, fire, air, etc. But because there is the association of the living spark with matter, it appears to be beautiful. No one is attracted by an earthen doll, even if it is most perfectly prepared to attract the attention of others. The dead body has no beauty because no one will accept the dead body of a so-called beautiful woman. Therefore, the conclusion is that the spirit spark is beautiful and because of the soul's beauty, one is attracted by the beauty of the outward body. The Vedic wisdom, therefore, forbids us to be attracted by false beauty. But because we are now in the darkness of ignorance, the Vedic civilization allows very restricted mixing of women of woman and man. They say that the woman is considered to be the fire and the man is considered to be the butter. The butter must melt in association with fire and therefore they may be brought together only when it is necessary. And shyness is a check to the unrestricted mixing. It is nature's gift and it must be utilized. Hare Krishna, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Text 17. <clears throat> At that time, Arjuna, the great warrior and conqueror of sleep, who is the intimate friend of the Most Beloved Supreme Lord, took up an umbrella which had a handle of jewels and was embroidered with lace and pearls. Purport Gold, jewels, pearls and valuable stones were used in the luxurious royal ceremonies. They are all nature's gifts and are produced by the hills, oceans and so on by the order of the Lord. When man does not waste his valuable time in producing unwanted things in the name of necessities. By so-called development of industrial enterprises, people are now using pots of gutta-percha instead of metals like gold, silver, brass and copper. They are using margarine instead of pure butter and one-fourth of the city population has no shelter. Text 18 Uddhava and Satyaki began to fan the Lord with decorated fans and the Lord as the master of Madhu seated on scattered flowers commanded them along the road. Text 19 Here and there were heard the benedictions of being offered to Krishna which were neither befitting nor unbefitting because they were all for the Absolute who was now playing the part of a human being. Purport At places there were sounds of Vedic benediction 
aiming at the Supreme, at the Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna. The benedictions were fitting in the sense that the Lord was playing the part of a human being, as if the cousin, as if a cousin of Maharaj Yudhishthira. But they were also unfitting because the Lord is absolute and has nothing to do with any kind of material relativities. He is nirguna because there are no material qualities in him, but he is full of transcendental qualities. In the transcendental world, there is nothing contradictory, whereas in the relative world, everything has its opposite. In the relative world, white is the opposite conception of black, but in the transcendental world, there is no distinction between white and black. Therefore, the sounds of benedictions uttered by the learned brahmanas here and there appear to be contradictory in relation with the Absolute Person. But when they are applied to the Absolute Person, they lose all contradiction and become transcendental. An example may clarify this idea. Lord Sri Krishna is sometimes described as a thief. He is very famous amongst his pure devotees as Makanchora. He used to steal butter from the houses of neighbors in Vrindavan in his early age. Since then, he has been famous as a thief. But in spite of his being famous as a thief, he is worshipped as a thief. Whereas in the mundane world, a thief is punished and is never praised. Since he is the absolute personality of Godhead, everything is applicable to him. And still, in spite of all contradictions, he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Text 20 Absorbed in the thought of the transcendental qualities of the Lord, who is glorified in select poetry, the ladies of the roofs of all the houses of Hastinapur began to talk of him. This talk was more attractive than the hymns of the Vedas. Purport. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is said that in all the Vedic literatures, the goal is the personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna. Factually, the glories of the Lord are depicted in such literature as the Vedas, Ramayana, and Mahabharata. And in the Bhagavatam, they are specifically mentioned in respect to the Supreme Lord. Therefore, while the ladies on the tops of the houses in the capital of the kings of the Kuru dynasty were talking about the Lord, their talk was more pleasing than the Vedic hymns. Anything sung in praise of the Lord is Shruti Mantra. There are songs of Thakur Naratam Das, one of the Acharyas in the Gaudiya Sampradaya, composed in simple Bengali language. But Thakur Vishwanath Chakrabarti, another very learned Acharya of the same Sampradaya, has approved the songs of Thakur Naratam Das to be as good as Vedic mantras. And this is so because of the subject matter. The language is immaterial, but the subject matter is important. The ladies, who were all absorbed in the thought and actions of the Lord, developed the consciousness of Vedic wisdom 
by the grace of the Lord. And therefore, although such ladies might not have, might not, may, might not have been very learned scholars in Sanskrit or otherwise, still, whatever they spoke was more attractive than the Vedic hymns. The Vedic hymns and the Upanishads sometimes give indirect hints about the Supreme Lord, but the talks of the ladies were directly spoken of the Lord, and thus they were more pleasing to his heart. The ladies' talks appeared to be more valuable than the learned Brahmanas' benedictions. Text 21 The lady said, Here he is, the original personality of Godhead, as we definitely remember him. He alone existed before the manifested creation of the modes of nature, and into him only. Because he is the Supreme Lord, all living beings merge as if sleeping at, at night, their energy suspended. Purport There are two types of disillusion of the manifested cosmos. At the end of every eight billion 640 million solar years when Brahma, the lord of one particular universe, goes to sleep, there is one annihilation. And at the end of Brahma's life, which takes place at the end of Brahma's 100 years of age, in our calculation, at the end of 8,640,000,000 times 30 times 12 times 100 solar years, there is complete annihilation of the entire universe. And in both annihilations, both the material energy called the Mahatattva and the mar marginal energy called the Jivatattva emerge into the person of the Supreme Lord. The living beings remain asleep within the body of the Lord until there is another creation of the material world. And that is the way of the creation maintenance and annihilation of the material manifestation. The material, material creation is effected by the interaction of the three modes of material nature set in motion by the Lord. And therefore it is said here that the Lord existed before the modes of material nature were set in motion. In the Shruti Mantra, it is said that only Vishnu, the Supreme Lord, existed before the creation, when there was no Brahma, Shiva, or other demigods. Vishnu means the Mahavishnu, who was lying in the causal ocean. By his breathing only, all the universes are generated in seeds and gradually develop into gigantic forms with innumerable planets within each and every universe. The seeds of universes develop into gigantic forms in the way seeds of a banyan tree develop into numberless banyan trees. The Mahavishnu is the plenary portion of Lord Sri Krishna who is mentioned in the Brahma Sangita as follows. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto the original personality of Godhead, Govinda, whose plenary portion is the Mahavishnu. All the Brahmas, the heads of the universes, live only for the period 
of his exhaling after the universes are generated from the pores of his transcendental body. Brahma Sangita 5.48 Thus Govinda, or Lord Krishna, is the cause of Mahavishnu also. The ladies talking about this Vedic truth must have heard it from authoritative sources. An authoritative source is the only means of knowing about transcendental subject matter definitely. There is no alternative. The merging of the living beings into the body of Mahavishnu takes place automatically at the end of Brahma's 100 years. But that does not mean that the individual living being loses his identity. The identity is there, and as soon as there is another creation, by the supreme will of the Lord, all the sleeping, inactive living beings are again or again let loose to begin their activities in the continuation of past different spheres of life. This is called Suptotita Naya, or awakening from sleep and again engaging in one's respective continuous duty. When a man is asleep at night, he forgets himself, what he is, what his duty is, and everything else of his waking state. But as soon as he awakens from slumber, he remembers all that he has to do and thus engages himself again in his prescribed activities. The living beings also remain merged in the body of Mahavishnu during the period of annihilation, but as soon as there is another creation, they arise to take up their unfinished work. This is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita 8, 18-20. The Lord existed before the creative energy was set in, in action. The Lord is not a product of the material energy. His body is completely spiritual and there is no difference between His body and Himself. Before creation, the Lord remained in His abode, which is absolute and one. Text 22 The Personality of Godhead, again desiring to give names and forms to His parts and parcels, the living entities, placed them under the guidance of material nature. By His own potency, material nature is empowered to recreate. Purport. The living entities are parts and parcels of the Lord. They are of, they are of two varieties, namely Nityamukta and Nityabada. The Nityamuktas are eternally liberated souls, and they are eternally engaged in the reciprocation of transcendental loving service with the Lord in His eternal abode, beyond the manifested mundane creations. But the Nityabhadas, or eternally conditioned souls, are entrusted to his external energy, Maya, for rectification of their rebellious attitude toward the Supreme Father. Nityabhadas are eternally forgetful of their relation with the Lord as parts and parcels. Bewildered by the illusory energy, they think they are products of matter, and thus they are very busy in making plans in the material world for becoming happy. They go on merrily with such plans, but by the will of the Lord, 
both the plan makers and the plans are annihilated at the end of a certain period, as above mentioned. This is confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita as follows. O son of Kunti, at the end of the millennium, all the living entities merge into my nature. And again, when the time of creation is ripe, I begin creation by the agency of my external energy. Bhagavad Gita 9.7 The word Bhūya indicates again and again. That is to say, the process of creation, maintenance and annihilation is going on perpetually by the external energy of the Lord. He is the cause of everything. But the living beings who are constitutionally the parts and parcels of the Lord and are forgetful of the sweet relation are given a chance again and again to get rid of the clutches of the external energy and to revive his and to revive his the living beings consciousness the lord also creates the revealed scriptures vedic literatures are the guiding directions for the conditioned souls so they can get free from the repetition of creation and annihilation of the material world and the material body. The Lord says in the Bhagavad Gita, this created world and material energy are under my control. Under the influence of Prakriti, automatically they are created again and again. And this is done by me through the agency of my external energy. Actually, the spiritual spark living entities have no material names or forms, but in order to fulfill their desire to lord it over the material energy of material forms and names, they are given a chance for such false enjoyment. And at the same time, they are given a chance to understand the real position through the revealed scriptures. The foolish and forgetful living being is always busy with false forms and false names. Modern nationalism is the culmination of such false names and false forms. Men are mad after false names and forms. The form of body obtained under certain conditions is taken up as factual, and the name also taken, bewil and the name also taken bewilders the conditioned soul into misusing the energy in the name of so many isms. The scriptures, however, supply the clue for understanding the real position, but men are reluctant to take lessons from the scriptures created by the Lord for different places and times. For example, the Bhagavad Gita is the guiding principle for every human being, but by the spell of the material energy, people do not take care to carry out the programs of life in terms of the Bhagavad Gita. Srimad Bhagavatam is the postgraduate study of knowledge for one who has thoroughly understood the principles of the Bhagavad Gita. Unfortunately, people have no taste for them and therefore they are under the clutches of maya or repetition of birth and death. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Such wonderful purports. Okay, we're going to stop here. Believe it or not, it is almost 7.50. <laughs>
My, how time flies when one's having a blast. <laughs> All right. We'll stop here and we'll ask the attached uh, assembly of Vaishnavas who attached to hearing about Krishna to uh, step forward and uh, explain their reflections, realizations, discussion of these wonderful prayers. By the, by these prayers were offered by the ladies of Hastinapur from the roof tops. No wonder they were more pleasing than the Vedic hymns. And they contained all the knowledge of the Vedic hymns. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, Hare Krishna. First is from Sudevi Dasi. Hare Bo Sudevi Dasi. She says Hare Krishna Maharaj. And, <coughs> and Hare Krishna to you too. And from Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Hare Bo. Hare Krishna dear Maharaj and all assembled sages, all glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Jai Ho. <coughs> Thank you very much. <coughs> From Rati Manjari. Hare Krishna Rati. Jai Guru Maharaj, please tell us more about Lord Krishna. <laughs> I don't know anything about Lord Krishna, but Srila Prabhupada knows a lot. And our previous Haris knows a lot, so he has laid it out for us, just like we lay out a table for eating a feast. He's laid it out for us. It's all, all we have to do is, is dive in and taste it. Hare Krishna. From Rasanandini. Rasanandini. Hare Krishna. My affection and respects to Maharaj and to the assembled devotees. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much accepted and reflected back to you. And a question from Vijay Krishna. Hare Krishna Vijay Krishna. Related to the Bengali pro proverb, a bad king spoils, spoils the kingdom and a bad housewife spoils the family. What is it that the king must do in order to not spoil his kingdom? What he must not do? He must do in order to not spoil his kingdom. Yes. He must care for everything that is under his jurisdiction as if they belong to Krishna. And he has to keep remembering Krishna as he rules and teach in that way all of the subjects um, under his kingdom. Uh, to do the same. And he also has to protect the innocent creatures and to make sure that uh, all of this happens as we've just heard. He follows the prescribed scriptural rules and regulations that Bhishma Dev gave in 360 chapters of the Mahabharata to Maharaj Yudhishthir just before he left. So he doesn't make anything up. 
He doesn't make up any new rules or new laws or new anything. He, he strictly follows the laws of nature given in the Vedas and engages everyone in their occupational duties and teaches them how to do those occupational duties for the pleasure of the Lord in co a cooperative spirit of loving devotion for the Lord. Hare Krishna. From Haribo Bhaktarupa. He says, Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you so much for these readings. Nice to hear these talks of Krishna. It's supremely satisfying to hear these things. Oh, so satisfying. Something stood out to me. In the oh. relative in the relative world white is the opposite conception of black, but in the transcendental world there is no distinction between white and black. I found this really hard to visualize because I'm limited by little senses <laughs> and a measly mind. It's so inconceivable and the mind immediately says that if there is no distinction between white and black, then everything in the transcendental world must be some kind of homogeneous blur with no contrast. <coughs> Yet I know that it is a world f of beautiful and perfect contrast and variegatedness. Believe me, I've seen the paintings. Hare Krishna. Yes, well, this is partly poetic. This is a poetic description and it, it means to say when you, when you talk about white and black in a poetic sense in relationship to the spiritual world or the material world, it's talking about things that are good and things that are bad. You know, they say, oh, it's such a dark hour, you know, when it's, us, when it's you know, auspicious things are happening, a war or too much fight, whatever that's going on, it's a dark hour. So this is in the way that blackness can be seen as bad and whiteness which gives light and clarity and freedom uh, the light of the spirit uh, the light of the day uh, at night time everyone becomes fearful because they can't see very far especially before electricity and therefore their people are fearful that there's going to be you know a, a thief or a dacoit or a you know, wild animal or something. But when the sun comes up and it's light, then they become very, they become free to move around. They're not afraid anymore of what's going to come around the corner because they can see it from a distance. So like that, this black and white is, it, the, the colors in the spiritual world are, the, these colors are only, in the material world are only reflections of those colors. And therefore, the beauty of the colors and the beauty of the atmosphere is inconceivable and only can be described by dint of analogy. So this is poetic analogy to try to help us understand that in the spiritual world, there is no good or bad. Everything is equally uh, blissful and equally uh, eager to serve the Lord with love. Hare Krishna.
from Rasanandini Dasi. Rasanandini Dasi Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada kindly clarifies his translation to one ten nineteen that the Brahmana's benedictions to Krishna were neither befitting or not befitting. When they are applied to the absolute person they lose all contradiction and become transcendental. Thank you very much. There's nothing more to say about it than that. It's that's a wonderful reflection. It it's it it encompasses what I just said about the spiritual world and the difference between the spiritual world and the material world. Thank you very much for reflecting on that point. Hare Krishna. From Anandamurti Devi Dasi. Hare Krishna Anandamurti. Jai Guru Dev, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Thank you so much for today's reading. Sri the Prabhupada's purport is always clear and always helps us to stick our hearts for devotional service. Mm. Thank you, Hare Krishna, absolutely. It shows that without knowing someone, how can you love them? Prabhupada used to chide the Americans for putting in God we trust on the dollar bill, but if you ask them who God is, they don't know. So how can you trust somebody you don't know? Hare Krishna. From Subarao, Rajagopal. Hare Krishna, Subarao, Rajagopal. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances and all glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Thank you for reading every day. Quote. Therefore, directly or indirectly, anyone who thinks of Krishna, talks of Krishna, or worships Krishna, becomes attached to him. Because Krishna is absolute, there is no difference between his name, form, quality, and so on. Our intimate relation with Krishna can be confidentially revived by our talking of, hearing of, or remembering him. It is so done due to spiritual potency. Unquote. Thank you for reading and enlightening us about Krishna through the glorious purports of Srila Prabhupada. Ah, thank you very much. That was a, real, a deep appreciation and I accept it uh, gratefully and humbly. Thank you very much, Hare Krishna. From Daitari Hari. And the speaker, the reciter rather, and the hearer or hearing in the mood that all of you are hearing are equally important, equally glorious. Hare Krishna. Daitari Hari. Daitari Hari. Hari Hare Krishna Maharaj. Thank you once again for giving us the distilled association of Prabhupada's purports through the purity of your love for his books and the depth of your realizations based on reading them. I really like the purport to text 13 where it talked about reviving our relationship with the Lord and the ways and means that this perfection comes about, mm. namely submissive hearing from mm. a pure devotee. Mm. 
I really like listening to your reflections in these readings. I also like listening to lectures from Vaisheshika Prabhu, mm. Devamrita Swami, mm. and reading Shivaram Swami's books also. Mm. It feels like hearing from great souls increases my understanding and appreciation for what I'm reading in Prabhupada's books. Mm. It saves me from having to artificially study the books myself <laughs> because great devotees have done the thinking for me <laughs> and I just need to hear and apply what they say. Well, that takes some thinking also. It's not that you do that thoughtlessly. You do that very carefully because you like to hear and you become edified by these uh, lectures, especially by my best friends, Vaisheshika Babu and Devamrita Maharaj and Shivaram Maharaj. I've been very close to the, all of them and uh, still am, actually. And yes, I have the same deep appreciation. But we're all sitting at the feet of Prabhupada, and that's why we call him Prabhupada, the one who at whose feet everyone has must must uh, sit to listen and hear about these uh, transcendental thoughts. Hare Krishna. And from Rati Manjari. Haribo Rati. Dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my respectful obeisances. One point out of tonight's reading for me was that the pure devotees stay in continuous touch with the Lord by associating with other pure devotees. Mm -hmm. Truly a win-win situation. Yes. Srila Prabhupada once said that if one wants to live in the uh, material world and be safe from the onslaughts, especially of the Kali Yuga, then one must surround oneself uh, and stay in the association of the devotees. That's the protection. It's our fortress against Maya. Hare Krishna. Thank you so much and thank you all for these wonderful reflections and giving me an opportunity to repeat what, what I've heard. It's giving me great transcendental satisfaction. And yes. Something just came from Vilas Manjari. Oh, Vilas Manjari, Haribo, from Sydney. Dear Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. The talk of the ladies of the palace was more pleasing to Krishna than the hymns of the Vedas <laughs> because of their absorption in his qualities. Yes. This is very instruction. Uh, sorry, this is very instructive. I also noticed in their talks that although they were carefully kept separate from men, they were highly conversant in philosophy of how the material creative energy of the Lord works. Fully. That that means that spiritual knowledge comes from hearing and all of these people they hear about Krishna from the time that they're babies and that's the culture the whole culture is revolved around hearing about Krishna and therefore even the most simple like in Vrindavan the, the village girls the damsels of Vrindavan are very simple you know they don't have big education and all these things but they know everything because their love for Krishna gives them everything from within it's revealed knowledge it's not knowledge that's gotten in a university 
by reflecting on things with one's own intelligence and trying to put ideas together to make them sound better than anyone else. That is the principle of Muni. But the real truth doesn't lie in the hearts of Munis and speculative philosophers and erudite scholars. They reside in the heart of the Mahabhagavat devotees, the Mahajans. So the Mahajans were always visiting the palace of uh, the kings of uh, in Hastinapur. Uh, so, they, so therefore, all the citizens get the benefit of these personalities. Remember in the uh, meeting of all the great souls at the Kurukshetra during the solar eclipse, all the great sages from all over the universe came there to see Lord Krishna. And then Lord Krishna stood out in front of everyone and greeted them. And his, his words were so simple but yet deep and meaningful that the sages became completely bewildered. They couldn't understand what he was saying. Why? Because they were he was glorifying them. Then of course they glorified him and the atmosphere was surcharged and everyone that was there got to hear all this transcendental knowledge again and again. So therefore if we stay close to Krishna and we organize ourselves in a way that Krishna can stay close to us, then gradually we get everything by hearing these books again and again. Not by a process of uh, sp speculative, academic approach, but by hearing with affection and love. Thank you so much, Milas Manjari. Srimad uh, Bhagavatam ki jai. Samaveda Bhakta Binda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi Hari Hari Bo. Thank you very much again. We'll see you tomorrow night. Same time, same place, same topic. The ever increasing glories of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in the form of the Srimad Bhagavatam. A literary incarnation of Krishna. Associating with this literary incarnation of Krishna makes us happy, healthy, and Krishna conscious. See you tomorrow. Haribo. <laughs>